the bottom line is this, when I see everything from small businesses to literally billion dollar corporations, a massive change can happen when I just make them more aware. But when they're asking somebody to do something, when they're coming to that decision point in whatever they're doing, it could be a meeting, could be a pitch, look at the lens, make that your friend. It's a doorway. Welcome to the Business Mastermind Podcast with business strategist, speaker and author, Gavin Preston. Tap into this meeting of minds between everyday business people on their journey to master business growth. Join them as they share strategies, insights and shortcuts to help you survive and thrive in business and life as you scale your business and achieve a bigger impact. Welcome to episode 129 of the Business Mastermind Podcast. Gavin here. Got a real treat for you today. James Lavers. Uh, he's a legend when it comes to engaging with an audience through a lens. Uh, in a world where we're now, of course, <laughs> Zoom is a staple part of most people's working day, whether it from an intern be from an internal meeting through to uh, a pitch to a potential customer. What James and I discuss, and James so articulately and powerfully, engagingly presents in this interview, is three things that you're going to want to listen to, because these three things will massively improve not only the engagement you have, you know, through the visual, the, the, through a camera, through a visual medium, uh, they'll improve your engagement, but you also will improve the amount of conversion you have or act desired action that you entice and elicit as a result of the presentation or the team meeting. Um, this is a gem. This is full of actionable stuff. Um, you will hear that I say very little because I am hanging off every word that James shares. Um, I really, he's, he's coaching me. He's a great guy. I have a lot of love and respect for James and you can really enjoy this session about how you can improve your impact through a camera lens. Hello and welcome to the Business Mastermind Podcast. I'm really privileged today to have friend, coach, mentor of mine, James Lavers. Now, James, um, James has been a pioneer at online. He has been online for 15 years, a uh, pioneer in the online sort of digital uh, courses space, online learning space. He runs a business called Lazy Coach. He has a waiting list of people literally globally wanting to tap into his insights, his knowledge, experience, and um, cut-throughs in terms of how you can deliver much better in terms of online. So James, James Lavers, welcome to the Business Mastermind Podcast. Thanks so much for having me, Gavin. So I wanted to have a conversation with you today, given that you are such a pro around communicating, pitching, engaging through the medium of video, and I'd like to share a little bit about why you have what your background. But I want to have a conversation with you that in the world now that Zoom is now a staple part of most people's working day, they yeah. buy from anything from a business meeting through to pitching to a potential customer or client, your ability to communicate across video is critical. And I just wanted to explore about how we could all improve our game in that respect. That'd be great. I think it's an exciting and uh, for some people quite a, a frightening subject, right? Yeah. So a little bit about your background. Where did you cut your teeth in the world of kind of like pitching, engaging by the medium of a camera lens? I'm ostensibly a, a TV salesman. So I, I um, going back to 1995, I started in the um, burgeoning home shopping TV industry that just opened up in the UK um, only a few years before. So in 1993, QVC um, UK opened up and it was uh, 
you know, a, a kind of a sister company to the big American behemoth, you know, uh, home shopping telly channels. And it started here in 93. I got working with them in 95. Um, and that well, I was 18 years old. So it's, it's pretty much all I've ever done is either watch people sell on TV, yeah. do it myself, or yeah. tell those people that are in front of the, the, the camera selling the fake diamonds and food processors, telling them what to say to actually sell those products on TV. So it was, um, it was my, the entirety of my career. I started there when I was uh, 18 in 95. Um, I very quickly rose to become a producer, kind of in charge of the shows. And it's, it's not like normal telly, Gavin. I'm, I'm sitting in a small dark room surrounded by monitors and I've got like an EC, what could best be described as like an ECG monitor in front of me, except instead of, <laughs> instead of monitoring heart rate, it's plugged to the, the call center. And so it shows when people are picking up the phone and buying the product. And I found early on that I could manipulate those sales. You know, by, I your in, by your in-ear coaching of, of the person that was presenting the product. Real time, exactly, yeah. real time. So I, basically I had this live laboratory to test, you know, rather than, because a lot of people are like, I've got some theories about sales and they, you know, sometimes it's questionable how much that's actually been tested in the real world, whereas I could test things real time. So I could have the presenter say things, show things, do things, and we could see real time whether people were picking up the phone and buying the product as a result of that. And we could test it. We could, you know, it was, it was a very exciting time. And we would be doing hours and hours because they were live 24 hours a day. So we could... Um, we could literally just test minute to minute, hour to hour. So doing thousands of hours of testing of like wow. what works to move people to, mm. to make decisions, to buy products, you know, who are in some cases hundreds and hundreds of miles away from, you know, the studio in Battersea in London, you know? Yeah. And the patterns worked across product, you know, anything from, I don't know, a, a home cooking implement through to a piece of jewelry or through to a piece of tech, the same principles applied across product ranges? I found that there were universal principles and I found that there were techniques that applied to particular products. So I went on to do a lot of consulting after I was a producer, which didn't pay particularly well. But So I went client side yeah. um, and actually started working with some of the, the big brands that would bring their products to QVC. And we would find, yeah, I found universal principles, worked across the board, whatever the product is you're selling. And then I found, well, there's certain things you can do if you're selling a pot of face cream that will boost the sales for that. Then if, for example, you're selling a laptop, you know, from, mm. you know, Samsung, Acer, Sony, whatever it might be. Yeah. So, yeah, there are, there are universal principles and then there are techniques and kind of tactics that will work according to product. And I think you even coached uh, none other than Tony Robbins, didn't you? Well, that's when my career changed. I mean, it changed, but it didn't change. So 2003, I got to work with Tony Robbins, who was at the time a personal hero of mine, just as he's a hero to many coaches and trainers and consultants. And um, Tony, when I was a teenager, I'd bought one of his, or not bought, excuse me, I borrowed one of his tape sets from my brother because I had this terrible blushing problem, which is kind of ironic considering I'm now permanently in front of the camera lens half the time uh, but I had a real problem with blushing and making eye contact with people and all these kind of things so a tape set from Tony 
sorted that out when I was like 16 years old um, come, you know, 10 years later and I get the opportunity to be his producer. Wow. So I was called in. I was freelance at the time. Uh, I'd left QVC and was kind of putting my services out to the highest bidder. Uh, call comes in. We've got this American motivational speaker. Will you come in and do? He's 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 got one show left, and his first three shows have done okay. But we really need to boost the sales. When you and come at this in stage, you didn't know who they were talking about. I no, I didn't. And and when I was like, yeah, okay, yeah, I think I can do it. Who is it? And they said Tony Robbins. I was like, you know, it was a spit. The, it was a spit the coffee moment out. You know, and um, <laughs> and so I went in. I actually ended up only really having, in terms of face-to-face -face time with Tony, about eight minutes to actually work with him and, and help him see where his previous shows had been letting him down. Because it's just him and a TV host, right? It's just him sitting there with the product and a host who asks questions and stuff like that. And so we had eight minutes to talk about how we could improve the last show. And it more than doubled the sales of the previous shows. Wow. So. I was really chuffed and because I, I had a such a an interest in self-development and becoming better and you know maximizing potential all that kind of stuff I saw something after that show 2003 I was like I I've been applying my skills to selling you know <laughs> you know teflon pans you know and those kind of things and it's like what if I could actually my these skills could do more good Mm -hmm. They could do more good. And I, that was the wake up call for me. And so I'm, I shifted then. I pivoted as many people are having to do now from, you know, hiring myself out to skincare companies, tech companies, which were, they were great products. But I always had that nagging feeling that these skills that were literally making hundreds of millions for my clients probably could be put to better use. And so I thought, well, if I can help somebody who is whose job on this planet is to help other people and do better. There's, I bet you there's loads of other coaches and trainers, consultants, healers, practitioners, experts, you know, thought leaders who could do with these skills. Cause like if they can help Tony Robbins, I'm sure they can help them. And that, and that was when that began a two year pivot into starting my own online business. And that's where I am now. Fantastic. So if we go to the here and now, and all of a sudden, so many more people are thrust in front of a camera lens. And, um, you know, we've all heard the embarrassing or the, the hilarious stories of uh, Zoom faux pas in sort of corporate <laughs> environments. People going to the loo with their camera is still on and not realizing and, you know, kids running into the room, etc. But the, the application now for video, obviously, uh, in terms of meetings is here to stay. As I said in the intro, you know, we were moving either from... Um, an internal meeting scenario through to actually engaging with prospects and pitching to prospects. So for those that have had no training, no background or exposure to how to improve themselves in front of the, how they come across in front of a camera, what are some of the things that initially you've got to be aware of that you don't do? And what are some of the things that you can improve, can focus on to improve? Yeah, I think eye contact is huge. Let's go. Uh, I mean, we'll go quite granular yeah. uh, if that's okay. I think one of the things that people forget um, straight from the outset is that you're still connecting. You know, it's like if we've, you've ever had a great call with your mum, your dad, your best friend on the telephone. Yeah. You know, it's a good call when you feel like you really got somewhere, you really connected. And those, in those instances, you've only got the audio to, to go by. And I think 
don't discount the fact that so many of us now are doing meetings like you and I are doing this now and we're you know we're using something where we can see each other right now you oftentimes we have these big screens and we can see all the meeting attendees and we can see the little thumbnails and the little pictures of them in their you know in their back room or whatever it might be it's like there's still a lens but lenses have got smaller and I always uh, one of the things funnily enough that I said to Tony Robbins when we were doing the last show is you're not looking down the lens enough you're like uh, we call it looking down the barrel because yeah. these were when the, 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 the cameras were huge they were like dinner plate sized lenses and it was it was much easier to be like oh there's the lens hi <laughs> nowadays oftentimes we're dealing with webcams that are like quarter of an inch like you can barely see it but the I have helped people make a fortune by connecting through that tiny little round black window. And you have to remember that your stakeholders, your potential clients, your team, your managers, whoever it might be, they're on the other side of that little round window. They're not in that little box you see where you can see them in their underwear or whatever it might be that they're doing, you know. And it doesn't mean that we all have to become creeps and start just staring down that 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 lens but we can pay more attention to it because the bottom line is this when I see everything from small businesses to literally billion dollar corporations a massive change can happen when I just make them more aware but when they're asking somebody to do something when they're coming to that decision point in whatever they're doing it could be a meeting could be a pitch look at the lens make that your friend it's a doorway it really is a doorway. Oprah Winfrey talks about this. She, when she was asked about what television had meant to her going back decades, she said it's a, um, it, it has been my window into the, into the hearts and the homes of the American public. Like that lens has been, that's your doorway into, into people's lives. You know, it really is. So the first point, and it's a general point, but the first point would be, get good at connecting with that it's weird for a lot of people because they we're not taught this at school gavin do you know what i mean it's crazy that there is no even in the top mbas and i've taught at cambridge uh, judge business school as part of their postgrad mba um that they don't teach how to connect with the camera lens <laughs> the only place you typically go to learn that stuff is to go and be an actor to go and learn right. to be a performer yeah and so uh, and I was raised by actors. So part of, I think, I, I inherently acquired this idea that there is connection to be had through that lens at an early age. And that I took that into shopping telling, and I think that's why I, I thrived in that environment. So I was able to help the presenters to do so as well. And that would be my first thing would be, learn to make that little window your best friend. So here's a question that I've often sort of pondered on. We're, we're, we're using Zoom now. Um, Obviously, I'm looking at you in the image in the window there. I'm not now. Does is there a, some algorithm that shifts from your eye contact when I'm talking to you? Should I be talking to the little lens directly, or should I be talking to you picture of your eyes directly in front of me? Yes, yeah, it's, it's tricky. This is that. This is it. Amazes me how much people find this a challenge. Any time you are not looking at the lens, the 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 receiver, your viewer will have the feeling that you're not looking at them. So at the moment, our listeners won't be able to hear, uh, to be able to see this, but 
right now I'm looking at the lens and you have the experience of me making yeah. eye contact with you. Yeah. But I can't see you now. You're now in my peripheral vision. So it's, it's a balance. I, I always feel you're doing the same thing you do when you're having a conversation with somebody face to face. If you stare at them the whole time, if I look down the lens the whole time, it'll start to freak you out. Yeah. So I'll, now I'm looking at you. And the experience is that I'm probably looking off over your, your, uh, your left shoulder. Yeah. But I'm actually looking at you now. I'm looking at your eyes now. Yeah. And if I want you to have the experience of me looking at you, I have to look back at the lens. Yes. You see what I mean? Yeah. And people do this nowadays. Um, every, you know, 99% of the videos on social media that you see on Instagram and Facebook are of people looking at themselves in the screen of their phone. Because yeah. when they go live or they do a, you know, a little video, they will typically use their front camera on their phone and they'll see themselves. And so they'll think that if they're looking at themselves on the screen, that they're looking at the audience and they're not. It just looks like, <laughs> at best, it looks like you're just looking at yourself in the screen. But for the viewer, the experience is that you're staring at my chest often. Right. And okay. I, I, I poke but, fun at this. I often say, like, stop looking at my boobs, you know, like, stop <laughs> looking at the lens, eyes up, please, you know. And so I always say it's, it's, um, it's one of those, it's like Pareto's law. I, I would say 80% of getting good at this is like, just look at the lens. I often compare it, Gavin, to like dating. It's like if you went on a date and you never made eye contact with your date, it doesn't matter how interesting you are, right? It doesn't matter the stories you tell. It doesn't matter how attractive you think you are, how great the, the meal is. If you didn't make eye contact, again, you could be the funniest person in the world. There is going to be a disconnect. For sure. And so 80% of it is just some of these basics, like look at the person you're talking to. Not all the time. Like, you know, I'm looking away now as I'm thinking about what to say next. I'll look at you to see your reaction. But then... When there's a key point to be made, I'll make that eye contact again. And it's, it's vital. And it's, it's helped me make millions. It's helped my clients make millions. And um, obviously, there's more to it than just looking at the lens because a lot of people do that and have dead eyes. And, but I tell you what, you do a lot of good by remembering where that lens is. So anyone listening to this now who's got a big meeting coming up, before that meeting, or maybe you've got a pitch coming up, if you're doing it on a, a desktop computer, or if you're doing it on a laptop, make sure you know where the lens is. It sounds silly to say, but like find that tiny little round bit of glass, black glass, and be like, oh, there it is. And just spend a few moments breathing and looking at it and learning to talk to that. It's a very odd thing. It's very alien. We're not, we're not quote unquote, supposed to do this as human beings. We've got to learn it. It's a skill we've got to learn. We have to be able to relate to a bit of round glass the same way we would if we were with somebody in person looking at their eyes and getting rapport if you can get rapport with a lens you know you're, you're halfway there you really are so really we've got to think about um the lens being the eyes of the person that we're talking to and just as you would do in a normal engaging conversation you look at the lens at the time where it would feel appropriate for you to look them in the eye 100 percent, 100 percent. Are you tired of the instability of your business? Do you want to stop cash flow challenges, achieve stability in profit, and build a business that you could sell? Do you want to introduce strategies that provide certainty of income, reinvigorate you and your team so that you put an end to plateauing and get your business thriving again? 
in every sector, in every country, in every state of the economy, there are always businesses that book the trend and outperform the market. It is possible to turn your business around and grow the profitability, reach and impact of your business and put your business back on course for a worthy exit or rewarding future. In my new book, Survive and Thrive, How to Secure, Scale and Succeed in Business, I show you how. I wrote this book for business owners who are putting so much into their business at the expense of time with their family and on their health and who are not getting the results that they desire. I have brought 25 years of experience working in businesses large and small and combining the disciplines of business strategy with mindset with scaling a business to bring you a proven way to scale your business with certainty. To grab your free copy of Survive and Thrive, How to Secure, Scale and Succeed in Business, go to www.surviveandthrive.cc. I'll cover the cost of the book. You just cover the cost of shipping and handling. So head over to surviveandthrive.cc to get your free copy of the book. What else would you recommend that people would pay attention to, practice, play with? Um, what, what is your outcome? What is your outcome? And don't, li- so when it comes to anything where you are using a lens, there is almost always something you want out of that. You know, there is, there's an outcome. There's, a, there's an action that you want to have happen, you know? I, th- I suppose the only, the only uh, exceptions to that are uh, during lockdown, COVID-19 lockdown, you know, me and my family would get together on Zoom. And I didn't really have any particular intention other than that we would have some fun. But even then, it was like, how can we have some fun, you know? And it surprises me. Really be mindful of the call to action. (laughs) You know, what what are you asking your viewers to do? And ask them. Ask them often. Ask them clearly. Ask them succinctly. Again, I've made a fortune for my clients by... Sometimes the changes that people think they need to make to their videos or to their presentations are much more subtle than they think, Gavin. You know, it's not just, oh, you need a complete re-script and, yeah, you look terrible. You can honestly double your sales. You can double the likelihood that you get the pitch. You can double the attentiveness and engagement of your attendees if you're doing a meeting. You bloody double everything, right? by asking people to do something more, the the thing you want them to do. Here's how a lot of people do their calls to action. They mention it in passing at the end of their video message. They mention it in passing, right? And it's just, it doesn't doesn't work like that. Um, If you watch something like QVC, the shopping channel, if you watch any of those infomercials that play out through the night um, that I had a hand in producing in the old days, the call to action is not something that happens at the end. It is something that happens throughout the video message or the, the live show, whatever it might be. You are asking repeatedly, repeatedly you're asking clearly, um, and you are asking with the expectation that people are gonna do the thing that you're asking them to do. So I often will say to somebody, if somebody wants a quick tweak, anyone listening to this now that's like, oh, we've got a presentation tomorrow, what do we do? I haven't got time to become, you know, Brad Pitt in terms of my ability to woo people through the lens or, you know, Angelina Jolie or whoever, right? No problem. Here's what you do. That call to action that you were thinking of doing at the end of whatever you're going to talk about, do it at the beginning and in the middle as well. So I'll often say to people, well, what, what, you know, what do you want people to do? Well, we want them to book a call with us. You know, oftentimes if people are 
uh, I'm working with a with a with a gentleman now who's a very well-known trainer and he works with a lot of legal firms and what he wants is for these the the you know the senior partners of these legal firms to to get on the call with him after he does these presentations so I, so I watched one of his presentations before we started working together and he kind of at the end literally in about 20 seconds just went and by the way if you've liked what we've done book in a call with us here and then on the screen was every potential number and email address that they could get him on along with his website and his Facebook and his Instagram. And it's like, he just put all of that up on the screen and went, book a call with us and I can't wait to speak to you. Bye. And that, that was it. This kind of 45 minute presentation was over. And um, funnily enough, nothing happened. Nothing came from that. Mm. And when that happens, what a lot of people do is they go, oh, well, that's terrible. Then video doesn't work. Presentation. I say, it's not that. It's just, you, you wouldn't, what request would you ever make in life where you would do it in passing at the end and hope to have that happen? Like, try me. I don't see it happening. If I want to, if I want to, you know, if I've got a date or if I've got a partner I want to take out, I don't, you know, how's your day, darling? Well, uh, da, 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 da. by the way, do you want to go out tonight? See you later. You know, you don't, <laughs> it's not going to happen. No, no. Whereas if you go, well, before I tell you about my day, I really want to take you out tonight. Let's go out. Can we go out? I want to take you to a great restaurant. We're going to have a great time. Let's, can we do that? You're like, yeah, okay. Can I think about that? Yeah, sure. Let me tell you about my day. Blah, 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 blah. And then at the end, you say, let's go out. I want to take you out. Let's just do it. Drop it. I'll get a, you know, you're much more likely to get the outcome that you want, right? Uh, it's like uh, whenever I would ask my dad for money when I was a kid, you know, it wouldn't be just like I'd ask him in passing. No. We had to, kids do this naturally, Gavin. Kids nag. And guess oh, what? tell me about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And they get what they want a lot of the time. Now, obviously, notwithstanding if they're, you know, if if the if it's a reasonable request, kids do kids know this. We need to model kids. They'll ask in different ways, right? So what they've learned is if I ask in the same way, can I have a ice cream? Can I have an ice cream? Can I have a, that'll just be annoying. So they ask in different ways. I see this from my daughter uh, just last weekend. You know, she'll go, Daddy, it's really hot outside. Um, I, I really am feeling like an ice cream. Can we do that? And I'll go, um, you know, I'm in the middle of something. I'll go, yeah, sure, honey. Uh, uh, let me have a think about that. And then 10 minutes goes by. And then she come back in and she go, oh, Daddy, don't you, wouldn't you like an ice cream too? We could have a nice little walk. And, and because she didn't say it in the same way, I'm more, I'm more receptive to it, right? And so I'll go, Never. yeah, actually, you're right there. Actually. She goes, come on, let's go out. And then 10 more minutes pass out, she comes and she grabs me by the sleeve and she goes, dad, dad, let's get out in the sunshine and go and buy ice creams. So she asked for an ice cream three times in three different ways. And guess what she ended up having? An ice cream. <laughs> yeah. And we all yeah. had an ice cream. We all had a great time. And so I often say, like, when you're looking at your calls to action, it's not something you bolt on at the end in a rush because you're feeling uncomfortable. You ask. Selling is asking. Um, at QBC, we knew this. In the infomercial world, we knew this, which was you have to ask people to do the thing you want them to do. You have to ask them. Like, pick up the phone. Call the number on screen right now. Order the product that you can see on the screen right now, and we will send it to you in five to seven working days. And we would say that multiple times in multiple different ways. Model the best kids. I often say when they're young, they haven't learned this yet. And this is how a lot of people are on video, is a lot of people model 
the way a two-year-old will ask for something, which is just like, I want an ice cream. I want it. No, no, you're not going to get it. But if, if you model when they start to get smart about these things, when they hit their teenage years, my kids are uh, both, well, my son's on his way to being a teenager, you know, and he's getting better at this stuff now as well. Um, that They are masters of the call to action. And it's only life that beats that out of them and teaches them, you know, if you're, hopefully I'm not, but you know, a lot of us are taught that asking is bad, asking is wrong. And so sometimes I find that kids that are natural at this, Gavin, kids get this sort of, you know, like knocked out of them a little bit where yeah. they, they lose hope and, and uh, yeah, so I always say like that, I think the next most, most powerful thing you can do is learn to ask more, learn to ask with more congruence, learn to ask in different ways and have fun with the way that you're asking people to do what you want them to do. You'll enjoy it and they'll probably enjoy it. I, I hear repeatedly my customers saying to me, I actually quite like it when you sell to me because you don't make it feel um, weird and pressury and icky. It just, it feels exciting. It feels like uh, it's like an event. I turn my selling into an event that can be fun for all of us and a, a kind of an exploration. And, and it's possible with practice. If we go back to the context of uh, the guy doing a 45-minute presentation to senior partners of law firms, you said about asking beginning, middle, and end. So yes. presumably the 45 minutes preceding was some value-added information content that he was sharing that would be of benefit um, to the, the, the legal practices and would reflect well on his knowledge and offerings. How could you, at the get-go, when maybe you don't know your audience and you have yet to add any value, how would you open up and ask in the beginning? Um, I think it's about being very clear in your intentions. So if I, if I had an audience, um, say I'd be given, and I've had this happen where I've been given, say, a speaking slot, um, both virtually and you know, live on a stage, and it's the same either way, whether I'm in person with these strangers, effectively, or whether I'm you know, doing it on, you know, through Zoom, for example. Um, I'll always, you know, introduce myself in a typical way, you know, do your introductions, let people know who you are. Um, and then I'll often be very clear about what my intentions are. So I'll say, look, the, the, the reason I'm here today is to share some really powerful ideas with you. And also, I promise to let you know, if you'd like some help with these ideas, you know, if you'd like to, to, to have my support, in implementing some of the things I'm going to take you through. At the end, I'm going to let you know how you can do that. You know, we've got some very powerful, you know, XYZ products that will help you ABC. And I am very excited to talk you through them. And I'll go into more detail at the end. And what I'm going to be asking you to do, if you're interested, is to uh, leave your business card with me or to email me your, you, you know, email me with the best phone number. That's what I'm going to be asking you to do. Is that okay? And I often will say this, in fact, almost always, if I'm doing a presentation, I'll always add the, is that okay? Is that all right? You know, is that okay? Does that sound fair enough? Because what you tend to find is, is that actually most people don't object to that. It's when people don't ask, when they try and hide the pitching, that's when it feels weird. Mm. If you ask somebody, if you just say, hey, listen, look, I want to share some great ideas with you that will help you regardless, but like these will help you regardless. Um, and if you want some help putting these ideas to work in your business, in your life, in your health, in your relationships, whatever, you know, wherever you help people, 
um, I've got some things that I think could help you. And I'll let you know about those in a bit more detail, maybe at the end. Is that, is that fair enough? Yeah. Sounds totally and I'll, I'll, often, I'll often add in, I'll, so, I'll sort of say, and look, if you don't want to hear what we've got going on, if, like, if you're good with what we share, I'll give you fair notice so that you can jump off if you want to. Is that, is that okay? Does that sound good? And people are like, ah, people want the choice. Mm-hmm. People want the choice, and they want to feel that you have asked not only permission to make them an offer, but that you have been transparent about your intentions. And where I find things unravel for everything from huge firms, big companies, um, to the, you know, the startup entrepreneur, thought leader, things start to unravel when any of that stuff is obscured, when it is hidden, when it isn't clear what the motives are. And I always am very clear with my motives. It's like, look, I really, I want to inspire, with you, inspire you with some ideas and I would like to give you the opportunity to work with me if you'd like to. You know, if you'd like help with these ideas, how does that sound? And if you put it to people like that, how long did that take me? 10 seconds to say that? If you put it to people like that, they will appreciate it. And they will actually oftentimes come into the the pitch, you know, where you actually go into the pitch, so much more receptive. You know, the, the kind of the barn doors of their brain will be wide open to your message because you asked. And they either out loud or inside their head just went, yeah, that's, that's fair enough. Yeah, go right ahead, you know? Great, great. So we've said, look at the lens. Um, second one is, you know, be clear on your outcome, be mindful of your call to action. Make sure you're asking in clear language uh, more often. Is there anything else I think uh, that the individuals can be paying attention to? Yeah, I think the third, and in, in some ways this is the most important thing, is your state yeah so here's the thing what are we really asking someone to do i when i first started selling online and in fact when when i was selling on qvc both in front of camera selling you know i went client side as i said and oftentimes i was advising product uh, representatives on how to sell the product better on tv and some of the brands just went you do it We'll pay you a bit extra, you to it. So I went on TV for brands like Sony and Samsung, Acer Computers, a lot of big tech, tech firms. And um, one of the things that I would always say is like, I'm asking somebody who is watching at home on TV, who, well, let's just imagine this for a second. I want everyone that's listening to this now, put yourself in the physiology you're in when you are just watching television. <sighs> easy to do right slaps back i'm doing it right now so i'm further away from the mic slaps back <sighs> shallow breathing probably a bit of a dead face <laughs> you know it's a, it's rare that we're watching tv or with our eyes <laughs> wide open and alert. You know, we're just we're back dead eyes the remote is probably somewhere near to hand your phone's probably and you suck at your phone up. yeah yeah you know and um and, I, and, and we early on went, we have to change their state. Our job isn't just asking them to buy a product. Our job is to move them to a place where they want to buy the product. And that's your job too, listening to this. It's like your job is to move people first to the place where they, are, they even are open to it and they want to do it. And you, the best way to do that is for you to be moved. 
and this sounds so cliche and it is so 101 and i know that everyone listening to this would be like yeah makes sense obviously it it surprises me how few people do it surprises me and so what is vital is that uh, well let me put it this way that being overly dramatic i see video and selling ideas and selling services on on video or on tv it's the same thing really these days um i see it as an athletic pursuit <laughs> well certainly that's the that's what i tell myself in lieu of going out and jogging anyway but the <laughs> so i um i i really do think of it as an athletic pursuit you can't just sit down in front of a camera you know scratching your head all tired and start a, start a meeting and expect it to be in any way productive for anyone involved there, there it requires warm-up the whole message on video is coming through well think about it this way think of the last time you watched a video online how big did the person how big was the person that you were watching now the chances are i'm holding up my smartphone now it's got a screen of about i don't know six inches across diagonally so any video i watch on this phone a person's head is about an inch. So anytime somebody is watching all these presentations and things, you're watching a tiny person. <laughs> now, if you, are, if you are physiologically dead and you are also small, there is nothing in that video message to enliven and, bring and, and wake people up at all. In order to move somebody else, you have to be moved. And so if you can't move your physiology, wake up your facial expressions, talk with greater articulation and enunciate your words a little more than you would normally, how can you expect your viewers to move? I always say like, if you can't be moved, they won't be moved. You know, so here's, here's the truth about how to put this to action. It doesn't mean you suddenly turn into a bouncy American motivational speaker and start punching the air and being somebody you're not. But what it does require is this. You have to um, imagine that you have a dial in your brain right now and it's slightly below your line of sight, but there's a little magic dial right on the, the control panel of your mind. And it says physiological, you know, uh, aliveness or something like that. You know, it's got some posh scientific, uh, name and it goes from zero to 10 but beyond 10 there's in red numbers there's like 11 12 13 14 15 all the way up to 20 and they're in red most of your days are spent probably zero to five you know you kind of maybe if you go out with your friends or you have a, a party or something happens you might wake up a little bit and go up into eight nine ten when you're doing video you need to dial that up into the red so you need to turn it up. So it means that, well, let me talk in the way that I would if I was just talking normally. So just before you started recording the podcast episode, we were chatting a little bit. So I'm, I'm getting quieter now and I recognize I'll be quieter on the microphone. But like, this is how I talk day to day. Like I'm not deliberately trying to be quiet or anything now. This is just how I would talk normally. Um, also, when I'm talking normally, I probably don't move my head as much. And anyone listening to this now can know that my head's much stiller now. I'm not really moving my mouth very much. I'm just, just talking. This, this is, this is me. This isn't me underplaying me. This is just, this is how I am. If I do a video like this, being normal, you'll very quickly fall asleep. You'll be like, this man's bored and tired. Where well, I'm not bored and tired. This is just me normally, right? So I have to dial it up, not just to ten, where I'm like, oh, okay. 
I'm up high, high, you know, you have to dial it up into the red. You have to, so I move my mouth more than I would talk normally when I'm on camera. So I enunciate my words a little bit more. It doesn't mean I suddenly become a patronizing teacher. It just means I move my mouth more. My eyes are wider. I'm breathing more deeply. And any movements that I use on camera are much more deliberate. They're much more pronounced movements. You know, they're, not, they're more definitive movements as well. Like if I'm gonna do some kind of gesture, I really see that gesture through. You know what I mean? Most people don't do that in regular life. You know, when you're just walking around the house and talking to your loved ones and everything, you're just talking. And what you need to do is, here's the thing to remember. When was the last time you were with a bunch of friends or a bunch of work colleagues that you got on really well with, and maybe you were having a drink or two, maybe you weren't, but either way, it was maybe after work or it was at a work bash and you were all getting on so well, sharing stories, having a great time. How were you? How was your physiology? My bet is if you were certainly, if you're one of the extroverted leaders of the party, you know that you were commanding the space. That's how you have to be on camera. You have to totally engage your entire physiology. And please don't hear me wrong. I'm not saying being a, a punch the air, you know, fist pumping motivational speaker, unless that's your personal style. If that's your personal style, then great, then just turn that up a bit more. What I'm saying is you have to turn up your natural tendencies way more, just dial it up. Uh, another way to imagine it is, have you ever edited a photo on your phone and that you can control the saturation? And, and when you, when you see that this is amazing, everyone should do this, right, as they're, as they're listening to this now, is you open up a photo and you get the saturation, you turn the saturation way up, turn the saturation up like 50%. And suddenly, oh, the colors are popping. And it's insane. If you take a picture of a flower or your pet or your kids, it's just, wow, there's so much more color. Look at the T-shirt they're wearing. The color's popping. And then you turn it back to the regular saturation. It looks dim. You go, oh, God. I did, this with, I did this with a sunset, Gavin. I took a sunset. And at the time I was there, I was down on the south coast. We were uh, eating at this amazing open air lobster restaurant right on the coast down there. Nobody was there. And the sunset was amazing, especially for UK, where we get some good sunsets. This was like a Portuguese sunset. It was insane. I took a photo of it and it was like, oh my God, this is beautiful. Later on, days later, I'm editing it, you know, obviously to show the whole world where I was and show it off on Instagram. And I, and I started playing with the vibrancy and the clarity and all that. I turned it all up. I was like, wow, that looks like a dream sunset. And then I just checked what it did look like. There was a button you could press and it would revert it to the original photo. And I was like, that's rubbish. The original photo looks <laughs> yeah. rubbish. <laughs> you know? and, but the thing is, at the time, it wasn't. But that's what it's like on camera. Even you, what you would think of as your best, on camera, that will be reduced massively so you have to turn it up more than you would normally you have to do to yourself on camera what you would do to a, a sunset in your phone to make it look even more like awe-inspiring you have to turn the vibrancy up you have to turn the clarity up you have to turn the contrast up and so if i always recommend the third and final thing if i could only you know if i had you for an elevator ride and i could say three things i'd say look at the lens you know do you know look at your call to action be the, 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 the kind of the friendly, nagging teenager that you can't get annoyed with because they're so tenacious in the way they do it. And then the final thing I would say is like warm up. 
before you get on camera. Practice ramping up everything you are doing because if you can't move yourself, you are never gonna move somebody watching. And that I've seen to be true across the board. It takes an energy, just like it does in person, right? If I'm closing a pitch to a room and I've done that multiple times, I can't do that with half my energy engaged. I have to be fully engaged. And on video, you have to go that little bit further because remember, to most people watching at home, you're gonna be this tiny little figure on a screen. You know, as I'm watching you now, your head is about an inch and a half big, you know, and it's like, literally, that's how people will see you and how they'll process you. So you have to be even more larger than life on, on, on screen as well. James, phenomenal. Um, <laughs> that, ladies and gentlemen, is a masterclass in how to keep an audience hanging off every syllable. Um, you probably realised that um, I didn't talk much there, which is great because I was hanging off every syllable myself. You know, really three very clear points there. Look at the lens. Be clear on your outcome, your call to action. Make sure you're asking that succinctly and regularly and then get in the right state and be, you know, turn up into that red zone so that you are larger than life and that you really connect with that audience and the people, the individual at the other side of that uh, window to their to their world. James, thank you. So if anybody wants to obviously uh, engage with you to tap into more detail um, and enter this brilliant world of James Lavers, how can they do so? Uh, check out jameslavers.com. Simple as that. And, and that's another sort of... Uh, common thread that comes all the way through James's work and I know from personal experience it just goes for simplification so back to your analogy of the the uh, the guy pitching to the lawyers with all the different contact points and flashing on the screen just really one simple clear message jameslabors.com James a real privilege thank you so much for your time today and we're recording this Thanks, on Saturday Kevin. so I'm even more grateful for you uh, sort of uh, sharing some time and your wisdom with us today thank you Bless you. Thank you so much for having me. Wow. I really encourage you to re-listen to that uh, conversation with James Lavers. There's mastery at a number of different levels. Even just a simple point around, he shared three points. For any of you that have studied anything about um, improving your ability to connect, engage and speak, the power of three is so powerful in, in terms of persuading the human mind. His three points. Look at the lens. Be clear and mindful of your outcome, your call to action, and ask it frequently. And then get in the right state so that you can move an audience. Also remember that if you're not moved by the current performance of your business, you know, tomorrow, the 30th of July, is the launch date for Survive and Thrive, my new book, How to Secure, Scale, and Succeed in Business. Survive and Thrive, How to Secure, Scale, and Succeed in Business. If you want to increase the amount of cash in your business, improve your cash flow, if you want to increase your profit and engage your team, then head across to www.surviveandthrive.cc. That's surviveandthrive.cc. See you there. You've been listening to the Business Mastermind Podcast. Be sure to subscribe, rate and review so that more people like you can get their business back on their own terms. Enjoy more success and create more impact.